it's a road like next to someone's house. It's like some, it's like a little laneway um, that's usually used for like farm track. It's not consistent cobbles either. Like it's like dippy oh, yeah. up yeah. and down, really, really steep. Um, but everyone's fighting to get to that position. And I literally saw a girl cartwheel down the ditch into this person's front yard. G'day legends and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, episode 86 and the second last episode of the year. Oh, feel sad saying that, but you know what? It's been a terrific year and these last two episodes are going to blow your mind. But guys and girls, today's episode, we've got Georgie Howe from Jaco Alula. Yes, an emerging people's champ, I think we can all say. Um, she is a champion, but I reckon Jess Allen's mantle is there for the taking of the Australian riders now that she's retired, and I think maybe Georgie Howe can be uh, taking that over. Uh, really good personality, and one we got to know briefly, if you remember, back during the TDU series where we interviewed Georgie um, in the Hilton, the very um, comfortable Hilton Hotel uh, during the race, and um, whoa, I knew then and there, uh, that we'd have to revisit uh, this absolute legend because a really good conversationalist, very, very smart, uh, switched on, and uh, as a former athlete in rowing and, and, and amongst other things, Georgie's got a lot to talk about. And um, yeah, in this episode, we talk about the whole year, really, her season, her first full season uh, in the World Tour with Jayco. And uh, we talk about her learnings across the year, throughout the classics, um, racing the Tour de France, her real highlight moments there, which is an emotional one at that as well. Um, and also just a general, just a bit of general conversation. I think you guys will really like this one, one for, uh, you know, the long bike ride, the long ergo, um, and you guys will get to know Georgie a lot more after this ep. But uh, yeah, during this episode... OG listeners, okay, and there's many new listeners to this episode, I imagine, so welcome, and I've just seen everyone going back through the catalogue after Mr. Lantan Rouge's pod, so welcome, and um, please continue through the catalogue, but OG listeners will know that I do suffer badly from being awesome, and also having hay fever, terrible hay fever, sometimes I just get days where I'm like wiped out it's so bad and the Corbin Strong episode oh I was in bad shape but anyway a little bit nasally there's a couple of sniffs in this episode because I was on death's door but you know keep on rolling for you guys because that's what I do you know I just take it on take it head on so uh yeah if you're listening and you're thinking um is that uh the West Australian swan talking to the microphone it is, um, but it's just me with hay fever. So apologies for that. But legends, before we get stuck into the episode, shout out to everyone at Gravelista in Beechworth over the weekend. Beautiful event, uh, the UCI Gravel World Series. Shout out to Connor Sands and Courtney Sherwell who took out um, both um, uh, the men's and women's elite. Super cool and looking forward to the Dirty Warney, uh, which will be flying across to next weekend. So uh, that was awesome. And also this now... Christmas is coming. I know I said this last episode, but it's important, right? Because everybody leaves their presents to the last minute and you end up getting some real average gifts, right? But don't be that person. Gift something super useful to your cycling friend or family member by getting them a bike rack for their house, their room. Sort your 
messy bike room, bike sheds out, inside or out, go to Bike Racks, right? It's www.bikeracksrakz.com. Go there, use the code TPR20, you get 20% off, and just have a look at all their bike storage solutions. That is the name of the game. They've supported the TPR podcast, so if you need this stuff or you want to get someone a really good gift they'll actually use, then this is the way to go. Save 20% as well. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Also, shout out to Zwift, the title sponsor of the podcast, and soon they will be taking the podcast over to TDU and we'll do what we do for the two weeks there. There's so much going on and we can't do it without Zwift. Go to the website, 14-day free trial. That's amazing. 14 days if you haven't tried it before, where have you been? You know what to do. Now, Legends, um, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Next week, we have the People's Champ at the TPR, the man, the myth, the national champ, right? He's in bright right now, sinking a few tins, uh, the family farm, Mr. Plappy. He's coming on. We haven't recorded it yet, but we are going to, and uh, we'll wrap up the year in style. So uh, if you've got any questions, make sure you send them through. But in the meantime, this is Georgie Howe. She's a legend. I hope you enjoy this one. Oh, beautiful. Back into training, so need starting to need to smash the serious cars again. Well, you're back into training now. Yeah, so um, my last race was CMAC. Oh, okay. So uh, it's about a month ago, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, so 10th of September, mm-hmm. and then, uh, yeah, I took two weeks, complete, like three weeks completely off the back um, in that, like two weeks of doing absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, we, then we had um, we had team camp in there as well, like a culture camp at Gavarate. Yeah. Um, which was interesting. Last time I was there, I was actually rowing at the World Champs. Oh, really? So, yeah, staying at the European um, Training Centre there, the ETC. Wow. Um, you walk in there and it's like a it's like a smell. And I think it's like the laundry detergent they use. <laughs> just like leave the la- and then I think my mum used to use the same oh. laundry detergent when I was home. So whenever I'd go to like rowing training back in Melbourne or in or in Penrith in, at the training center there, my friends and my teammates would be like, Oh, you smell like the ATC. That's and so then I would I think it's the Omo pods, eh? I think that's what they use. <laughs> Uh, and then um, yeah, I walk into the training center and I was walking in with Manly and um Georgia. Yeah. And we're like, oh, what's that smell? <laughs> Everyone knows the smell. You need to bottle it up. Get it as a like a you know, like a perfume or a cologne. You could sell it to athletes. Yeah, oh the ETC. Yeah, that way they know what it's been. Yeah. So it's like some bread there. But um yeah, I had the team camp there, I got to meet the new new riders. Yeah. Cool. Um, which is really exciting. So Marvi. Yes, um, Marvi, yeah. And yeah, uh Shauna, Ella, Wiley was like really exciting oh, prospects. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Kiwi. Um yes. so it's uh, nice to have in your zone. On the team. I like the energy of Mavi. She's uh she was nice to talk to. I talked to her at the worlds briefly and she seemed like she had some good energy. Yeah, she is good. She is good. She's um like uh, sad we that we're losing Arne, but um, we've got another um well I mean Arne's Basque, but we've got another Spanish rider with uh, Mavi coming coming in. Um so uh yeah, and then we've got yeah, Ella's a really good pickup. Um yeah. she'll be happy at the moment with the all blacks. Yep. Um in the World Cup. Into the final. Uh, 
yeah, then, um, yeah, we've got a lot of the other lip girls. I, I roomed with Silke, um, the yeah. uh, young duchy. Um, yeah. She's cool. They uh, they put us in with, like, everyone was, like, kind of rooming with a new new person. Yeah. So that could have gone, um, could, could have been really good or really bad, but luckily <laughs> from all reports it was really good. Yeah. You guys will be, um, I read yesterday, you'll be, the team name will change to Live Alula. Is that right? Oh, I haven't seen that. Um, I know we'll have a the dev team, like from an infrastructure perspective, Jayco will be like the world tour team. Yeah. And then we'll have like the the existing infrastructure um with Lev will be the dev team. So their yeah. like service calls will be in Belgium. Okay. I can't remember what I read. It was just something on Twitter where I think maybe the the, the women's well the live yeah, the live arm of the bikes will be the women's Livalula and then Jake Alula, which would be kind of oh, cool considering how they be cool. like, yeah, you know, the, the women's specific frame. Um, yeah, it'd be, um, I mean, look, the the Live Envy, we just got, so we get like the, our race bikes become our training bikes now for Sick. 2024. And so Thank I've got you. the Envy as my training bike and it is nice. Nice. <laughs> is that, is the Envy the aero or is that the all round? Yeah. Like, so oh. it's like, if you think like the men's propel, yep. um, it's like the, the women's equivalent, um, in that and it's um yeah i think i wrote it every stage at the tour even up to Omelet. nice nice it's, um, so it's good i needed all the arrow gains to make time cut up that day <laughs> well that's that's a great call let's get stuck into your season because first full season on the world tour women's world tour um like i asked this I've asked some a few writers now. Do you think it's like, uh, is it what you'd expected it to be when you're going into it? Maybe in your Aussie summer, you know, what you're yeah. thinking, what the European season would be like, what the racing, the level, was it what you had expected or did something surprise you? Um, I think this whole time I've, I have had zero expectations oh. just with this whole experience. I've um, kind of gone into it, eyes really wide open um, and, asking questions and taking everything as it comes. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have, like, it wasn't like I went into the season being like, I want to win this race. I want to place in this race. Um, it was more of an exploratory, exploratory year, like to kind of see what I liked and what races I really enjoyed and what actually being a professional rider looks like. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have to say it's, it's very much a, um, it's a, it's a nomadic, lifestyle like you live out of a suitcase a lot of the year and it's um it's that's part of the part of the the life that you don't really get to see um like when when you before you kind of jump into that world you're like oh sick you get to do all these races but you're like away from home so much like I was talking to Loretta Hansen um even with her month out with that really bad crash I think it was Drenta um she raced like 57 days and was in Girona maybe three weeks for the, like since she got back to Europe, yeah. like after her injury, she was in Girona maybe three weeks until I think her last race was Romandy, and then she flew and, back and, to Australia. And fifty-seven days is on the on the high end in the women's tour at the moment. That's probably one of the most. I mean, Trek yeah. were, they were they had a tough year with injury and yeah, and such. Yeah. Um, so there was kind of all hands on deck there. I think Yaya as well had a raced a lot for that team, but um, yeah, the it was like it's tough, eh? Like the. I, I came across, well, I spoke to you at the end of TDU and then I did yeah. Cadell's. Then I came across to Europe in February and my, I don't think I had a dry ride for like six weeks. That's it just tough. It just rained the whole time <laughs> in Girona. 
like I, I went out for six hours one day and I was with a friend of mine um, and uh, he, we were out for two hours and then all of us, I didn't bring like my headphones or like anything like that just because I was like, oh, I'm with a mate for six yeah. hours. It'll be, it'll be fine. Like it's pissing with rain, but we'll be fine. Yeah. And we were out for like two hours and then he gets a call that he lives in Old Town and his apartments is flooding. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, he's like, shit, George, I'm going to have to go because I need to go like, no. Yeah, make sure that my, everything's all right. So I ended up doing four hours. The rest of the rides are four, four hours just in the rain by myself. Um, but it was grim. But then, like, I think once you accept it, it's, like, it's actually quite, like, it's fine. Like, you're just, like, I'm just going to get really wet. And when you've got all the kit too, that does make a difference. Like a lot of people listening will really, well, not on choice, go out for a ride in the wet. It's not their job also, but there's times when you still head out when you know it's going to rain. But often yeah. as general punters, you don't maybe have all the wet weather gear you should have, you know. Um, so that makes it easier, right? Yeah, and look, to be quite frank, this is the first year. I mean, whilst Knights of Suburbia were fantastically supportive for me in um, coming up through the ranks, like this was the first year that I've had all the kit, like yeah. that I've had, like, you know, yeah. the Gabba, the rain jacket, yeah. um, you know, the, 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 the long, like, you know, revelation for me is long necks, uh-huh. not having to wear leg warmers, like actually having long necks. Uh, it's the first year I've had them. They're fantastic. <laughs> Do they have now, I, this is anyone that's got the attacker ones, the long ones that, attacker do have like a you know that wetsuit material yeah it's at the cuff of the of the end of the shoe and i wondered oh like the neoprene yeah at the end at the bottom which i thought it's a really good idea i wondered what kind of tech has uh has la got on the end of their shoes or is it a zip or is it a stretch we just have the zip so we don't have the neoprene at the end yeah um that's a really good idea though because it's like yeah i guess like if you're wearing shoes it would stop the water getting, yeah, it would stop yeah. you getting like wet ankles. Yeah, well, it's like those, um, uh, you know, those um, velitos. That's basically what it's like yeah. on the leg. So, and I guess you might ah, have the booties too, though. You might have the booties, right? Yeah, we got the booties. Um, we got the booties. I think I'll be whipping those out. I'm heading up to Andorra later this week. So I think I'll be needing right. those booties when we head up there. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, the, like the back to like the the season, um, yeah. it was. Um, been, I mean, the level is just ridiculous. Like it's it's actually ridiculous. Like the racing is is next level savage. Um, opening weekend, I did New Zealand <laughs> oh. and Wagland. Yeah. Holy shit! Wow. <laughs> I was in there and I was like, I was like, I think I was halfway through the race in New Zealand and I was like, I gave up a desk job for this. <laughs> 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 like hook into a corner at 60 k's an hour with 120 of my closest mates oh. just like and about you know 10 of us are going to get through that corner in good position yeah. um and everyone wants to get there so that was like a, a sink or swim moment like that was like a make yeah. or break and um but it really made me hungry like i i, I think i did did all right in that like i survived that race i was just like out of position at key moments but i think that's um I was listening to a podcast he did with Kel and he, he put it really well. And I was lucky enough to, to speak a lot with Kel through the classics because the men's and women's teams stayed together in Belgium. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So like talking to him, Heyman and stuff, it's like Belgium, you can have all the, all the power and the, all the, all the horses that you, that you want in your legs, but 
if you're not where you, like the real skill about Belgium is being where you have to be at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, it's all about being at that corner in the position to to the make the, to make the, the that that critical split, the front selection. Yeah. But in order to be in position at that corner, you need to think like what has happened the 15k's prior to that. Yeah, yeah. So um, like I was talking to Heyman about. Um, I think it was Newsblad and there's like this this road, there's this climb called the Molenberg. Have you heard of that? Yeah, Molenberg, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do know like, that like, on TV. Yep. Yeah, like if you're not if you're not front 10 wheels, you're putting a foot down, like left hand turn. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I think um that that at Newsblad, I was there I was with um I think I was with Nina, Kessler, or Jess on that left turn. And mate, like so it's big, big Belgian road, and you go into like this small one, um, a left turn, and um it's it's a road like next to someone's house. It's like some, it's like a little laneway um, that's usually used for like farm track. It's not consistent couples either. Like it's like dippy oh, yeah. up yeah. and down, really, really steep. Um, but everyone's fighting to get to that position. And I literally saw a girl cartwheel down the ditch into this person's front yard of this person's house because she'd put a foot down, but then missed it. And then just like, oh, like, no. yeah. So like the, like things like that happen, crashes, um, but in order to be in position there, you've got to think like 10 or 15 Ks prior to that, there's like a long drag cobble section, like a really, like a 1200 meter long, long drag. And if you bust a, bust a gut there and get into good position there, more than likely you'll be in good position for Mullenberg. But like, I now, now like looking back at my, at my race, I now know that. So like next, next year I'll be able yeah. to, to learn and, and be there. And that's what like talking to my DS is this, like his um, thoughts as well. It's this year was all about learning and learning what the races are and where the critical points are and where like where you need to push in order to be in position at those critical points. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah, definitely like see myself as more of a classic style racer, mm, and then like more of a domestique lead out rider for the for the tours. For the tours. Um, and then if there's, a, if there's a TT, obviously focus on the TT, but. Um, yeah, this year was, yeah, very much a learning experience. I would like to race, like, didn't get to race Strata because um, I got COVID, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but, uh, yeah, really looking forward to the classics next year. I learned a lot this year. Yeah. And are you, it's also easy to forget, or maybe even just as viewers, that especially Australians or Oceania athletes coming over to, to, the, to the classics specifically, those Belgian riders that live over there, they know all those roads and they know that, ah, oh, this one goes into a laneway left left turn, you know. That means yeah. no one's losing, no one's moving positions once you're in that laneway, so spend it here. They know all those roads. There's a ditch here, there's a hole there. Like It's like when you do a bunch ride. It's like if you join someone for a bunch ride that you've never done before. Yeah. You know, you that person yeah. knows when all the hard sections are, when you got to, you know, get ready for the sprint. It's, exactly. just, it's just like in racing too, and the more you do it. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, the first time I did North Road Ride in, in Melbourne, like the Wednesday morning North Road Ride, those in Melbourne will know. Um, <laughs> yeah, they absolutely hammer the hills. Once you like, once you get past Frankston and then I'm like, why are we in a single line? Oh, we're heading up Canadian Bay Road. Um, like I got absolutely pummeled in my first North Road Ride, but, um, but then you get better and you get better and you do yeah. it more. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, that's a very, like, it's really not dissimilar from, from a race. Like once you do a race more and more, I think Nina Kessler, my teammate, she's done Newsblad 13 times. Holy shit. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's Nuts. the race director. So, like, oh, she could very, I mean, she was pretty much my director this year. She and Jess Allen were like the directors. <laughs> I'd go into that like, throughout the classic season and be like, what about this race? What about this race? I actually yeah. roomed with Nina for two, three weeks at oh. Leppelberg. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, we're like an old married couple by the end mm. of the those three weeks but I asked her a lot and learned, I learned a lot from her and um very fortunate to have those people on the team for sure what what do you uh is, there must be some things that you've taken from your you know, your high performance background when you were doing rowing is there anything from that whole world that you transfer over to now whether it's I mean of course you'd have you know the mindset maybe your application to training that obviously the transfers but anything else preparation or I don't know like is there anything there um, yeah, I mean, rowing, we race so little as a ratio to the amount that we train. Um, and I think that's, um, I love the grind of training. Like I really enjoy, um, like a, a really solid, consistent block of training. I really, really love it. And I'm, I'm, I love, don't get me wrong. I love to race my bike as well, but, um, I think, uh, you talk to any, anyone, um, and it's the consistency in training that that builds great athletes, and so that's um, I think that's something that I really try to carry over. Um, the like the team element of rowing was always my favorite part. Yeah. So like I was um, I mean I loved I loved the small boats like the pairs and such when there were a lot of pairs out. So like say you have like five pairs out, like you're still with like ten people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had some favorite pair partners over the years, so I didn't mind hanging out with them for hours at a time, just myself and that other person. But I really enjoyed the eight, like racing the racing and training the eight, just um, eight rowers and a coxswain. It's uh, yeah, nine people kind of going, moving together, training together, yeah. um, like the, the banter, ripping each other, ripping each other up, you know. Um, and you're really close uh, too, right, because you, you're all yeah. in the effort together. Yeah, you are really, really close. And some of my, actually, the one that when I went hiking in off season, um, all those, it was my 10 year friendship anniversary of all the girls that went and we all met rowing um, together in 2013. Wow. Uh, and um, we're still like, they are my closest friends to this day. Purely uh, because like we, yeah, blood, sweat and tears and laughter yeah. and nights out and all, all those, all those fun things. And um yeah, that's that's something that I really enjoy. And while cycling isn't optically a team sport, like you know, one person stands on the podium yeah. from a team, um, their win is my win. Yeah. Um, and I, I I would love to win a race. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've got that 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 drive to to cross the finish line first. But if a teammate of mine wins after everyone is like believed it, believed in them, done the work, believed in themselves to do their job. Yeah. Like that's as, as fulfilling to me as, as my, as myself on you. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I feel, I agree. I totally agree with that. Uh, oh yes. Okay. So this takes some time if you need to think about these ones, but yeah. uh, do you, what was your, what was the most sort of memorable moment for you this year uh, in Europe? What do you think was the one that stands out? Maybe something you think about the most, not necessarily your favourite, but the most memorable moment. Most memorable. 
it's a hard one. It is hard. Just because well, so many times this year I was just deer in the headlights. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there any moments at the tour? Oh, I mean, crossing the finish line at the tour in the TT and recognising that, like, yeah, just completed the Tour de France with yeah. with teammates. That was pretty special. And then having my mum there as well. Oh, true. Um, That's super yeah. nice. Yeah, that was really um, – my teammates make fun of me because I don't cry at all. <laughs> you know? yeah, but, um, yeah. Um, cause I just don't think anything's really that sad. Uh-huh. Um, but, but I did, uh, or like that, but I, I kind of stayed a pretty, pretty good equilibrium most of the time. But that moment, yeah. When I saw my mum at the end of that race, I, uh, yeah, the waterworks did start. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, uh, getting a bit emotional now. I won't cry. Don't worry. Just that's, cry. that's a great, that's a great memory though. That one. Yeah. First one finishing in, in Poe. Yeah. Um, not pow, as I've been corrected many times. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, that, I mean, look, there are plenty of other memorable moments. Um, there, like, so, like so many laughs I had, um, at the tour with my teammates, yeah. um, even in training, like, like actually like going up to Andorra over the summer and training with my friends up there and, but also when you're just by yourself and riding around and you look around you and you're like, holy shit, this is my job. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, I, was, I went over to um, the other, to the North of Spain um, in, uh, and trained over there for a bit after coming back from a knee injury. And uh, it's beautiful. I was there actually near Renze. I was there rowing for uh, training for world championships in 2015. Right. So it was interesting to like go back on yeah, a bike sport. yeah yeah and um uh yeah i was riding around there and i was like i was with my, my teammate arne and i was riding around and i was like this is just this is absolutely nuts that i went from sitting at a desk at ey which was a fantastic organization still is and still supports me to this day and i learned a lot as a consultant there but i went from 20 the level 28 at eight exhibition street looking out to the mcg in wow. melbourne Huh. to um, riding around uh, Galicia um, on my bike and um, in this beautiful vista of river, mountains, yeah. vineyards, um, and get paid to do it. Very fortunate. And I completely acknowledge that standing on the shoulders of giants um, of those who came before us in women's cycling. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, very, very, like, in, in all, all in all, the people made this year super memorable. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. only your first year. Yeah, it's a scary part, eh? So <laughs> much more to learn, but it's uh, it's so much. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like I'm definitely like a, a baby gorilla in this sport, and to a certain degree, like <laughs> yes, I've got a lot of power, um, like, like some like a lot of watts, but I feel like I'm I'm having the experience of someone who enters a sport at twelve, um, and and rides all the way through. I'm having that ex- like making yeah. all those mistakes as yeah. well like i mean can i swear on this podcast yeah yeah i mean i fucked up a lot this year <laughs> um, like, <laughs> like, yeah. i did and um and i completely acknowledge that but it's uh but you learn quickly right like you, every time yeah I but that's it like, like it's a learning yeah 
but you have to and you have to fuck up to learn yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and that's and and you said before like what have i bought for across from rowing it's it's that mentality it's a thick skin of like yeah yeah i did that wrong yeah it's okay i, I could like get down in the dumps about it or or i could just get up dust myself off and learn from it and go again yeah. um because it's a uh, as i said before it's a consistency of just turning up i think it was um uh, who was the guy that ran across Australia? Ned Brockman. Yeah, he had a great. He's great saying of like just show up. Like just I feel like showing up. Just keep showing up. Like that's yeah. um. Yeah. Because like yeah, I mean I completely acknowledge I'm 29 years old. Um, my age will have a three in front of it next year, which is terrifying. So <laughs> I need I need to I need to fuck up quickly and I need to learn quickly. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. It does. That's funny you mentioned Ned Brockman because I just finished listening to his uh, audio book because you now Spotify yeah. have got all these audio books. And um, if you're a premium user, at least in Australia, you can listen to the whole thing for free. And um, yeah. I listened, I binged it on one work trip, just a road trip. And mm. uh, for, I tell you what, like I can really resonate with someone like, I don't know, just just training really hard, pushing themselves because they've got this like intrinsic goal inside them that getting up at one in the morning two in the morning twice in one day to train it's no issue because that little thing inside is just like fueling this massive fire and like constantly throughout the the audiobook you know because he's narrating it he's just talking about you know he's beaten and he's destroyed like after day mm. six and of you know 47 days or whatever it was running uh, running 100 100 kilometers he's broken after not even a week and yet he still kept like coming like just turning up and um yeah. that's because he had that inner drive you know i think most athletes can understand that you know cuz you feel it right yeah i think there's a you touch on a really a point that i really strongly believe in and something that I think um, you have to have if you're a professional athlete or, or, or in any, in any endeavor, actually, not just as an athlete, but in any endeavor, I mean, like yourself as an entrepreneur, um, it, you'd be like similar, like you, you have to, in, in whatever passion you hold, it has to be intrinsically motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to be like, believe wholeheartedly within yourself that this is what you want to do. And this is, this is what drives you. If you, if you're too outcome focused or outcome driven, um, it's only go it like you might burn bright, but you won't burn bright that that long. Mm, mm. I love it. So um, it's uh, and that's that's something that I think you look at like the best cyclists in the world. Like you look, look at, at Tade Pogacar. Um, he has fun on his bike, yeah. and he's motivated to win. Yes, but he's motivated because he has fun on his bike. Yeah, and and because of that, he's multiple Grand Tour winning cyclists yeah um and uh i think that's the, the the cyclists and the athletes that have fun on their bikes are the ones that are in the sport for a while and do well 100 percent, 100 percent. now that uh i mean god i could talk all day about that stuff that's just topics for uh, i think and me too i mean it's <laughs> something like when i was I, we had a new head of rowing when i was in when i was in year eight so when i started rowing in year eight at high school um we had a guy come in his name's christian nason didn't know a lick about rowing, nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. Came from a footy background. Right. Um, and uh, But he did know about culture and he knew about like how to motivate a team. And look, to be fair, my high school rowing team was not great. 
Okay. Historically, had not been very good. But from that year, 2008, he was always like, girls, like you're in charge of fun here. Like you have to make this fun. Like we're not going to make it fun for you. And uh, he brought in some really good people as well. Like I think that's important, like in terms of the coaching staff. Um, and he also um, didn't take any bullshit, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. But, uh, but all the way through like 2008, 2009, 2010, 11, 12, um, he was like, you're in charge of fun. This is what you've got to drive. And as a consequence, we, after going from nothing, um, we, when I, when I went to get into seniors in 2011, we won nationals. We didn't, weren't expecting to do anything. <laughs> we, we, we ended up winning the thing. <laughs> and then next week we win our like state championship, like the head of school girls. Oh, and shit. Then, and then the next year we do the double again. Oh, and then the next year they win nationals again. Wow. And it's, um, but it was never the goal. The goal was always have fun. Have fun. And if we have fun, then like, especially with, with teenagers, if you have fun, that people are just going to keep coming back. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that's, that's something that um, I've really firmly believed and carried all the way through. If I have fun doing something, I'll, I'll not only will I enjoy it, but I'll eventually like the, the results will follow the process. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, this, uh, yeah, there's a bit of discussion um, with Patrick on the last pod that we did. Uh, Mr. Lantern Rouge, we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, listen, listen to that. Yeah, uh, it's a good one. Good. Yeah, the ultimate crossover. You know, in one day, that episode is now number one. Just crazy. I, I believe it. He, he talked, yeah. about, you guys talked about some fascinating stuff, particularly I was interested in the data analytics side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Like the video yeah. analysis side of things like that is such an evolving area. Like we have so much cycling is we're fortunate. We have so much stuff to work with. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like you could go any which way with, with data, but um, I had a good chat with Matt White at the end of um, uh, Worlds. Yeah, and um, in the in the bus heading back, and uh, we're discussing like how do we use data, and he was saying like he was alluding to like the NBA, yeah, because he does he travels a lot during the off season, goes to like different sports and learns a lot from them. Um, he's a big big basketball fan, big yeah. NFL fan as well. Um, but he's like, imagine like if we're if you've got a follow car like behind it behind a bike race, and say, I don't know, you get you get a Jayco rider and a break of ten. And then in the car, you can run live analytics and be like, based on this rider's performance, but also the performance of the other riders in that break, this Jayco rider has a 60% chance of winning from this breakaway. Therefore, you can make a decision. Do we work oh, the break yeah. or do we not? Yes. Um, so like, I was like, that that part of the discussion I, I thought was super interesting. Yeah. And like those sports, NFL, NBA, they have the resources behind them to have staff members sitting there and saying how many times does LeBron, you know, change his shoes per game. We need to get him, you know, 10 pairs of yeah. shoes, you know, stuff like stats like that. And like what Patrick would be doing for, you know, I think for, for Yumbo yeah. or Visma, whatever they're called now. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who knows what they're called, but yeah, that's, I think that's going to be, and you'll we'll probably see a lot of that start to trickle in into the more of the women's world tour teams, you know, when, you know, that sort of the funding carries through as well and that grows as well. But um, that's what I wanted to bring up. Didn't want to discuss it too much depth, 
with Patrick because mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you about it. Um, and I wondered, who do you think Australian riders is the most popular Australian women's cyclist right now? Because there are so many good ones, including yourself. Yeah, no. I think women's cycling is really cool because you really get to see the personality of the riders. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a hangover from when there wasn't a whole lot of funding in women's cycling. The riders had to be their own advocates on social media, in the in the press. Yeah. Um, so that since the since the like money and accessibility to the riders has grown and grown and grown, all of a sudden the fans can like like we haven't changed. We, you still see a lot of the personality and the fans feel like they can interact a lot with the riders as well. So yeah. um, it's really difficult to, to pick a favourite Aussie rider because no doubt everyone has their own, mm. their fans are their own riders. Um, and look, we're fortunate. We're so fortunate in Australia to have such a wide variety of Aussie riders. Like everyone from um, like Yang Anya Lau, Lau, like making that uh, break in the tour the last break. year. Like, oh, that was so good. Yeah, yeah. 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 To um to like Grace being like the TT the TT champ she is and also just the ripper person that she is and Spratty like all right like Spratty yeah. is Aussie cycling to a T right like iconic and then both sides of the coin too yeah exactly yeah. and then you got Brody and then look to be fair though my breakout rider for this year Aussie rider is uh, Loretta Hansen no shit eh yeah I think yeah. like as a domestique like super domestique. Yeah. Uh, I think she's got some serious pickies for 2024. I think we've got to watch out for her. Oh. Um, like even with her injury this year, she had an absolute stomping year. Um, yeah. And um, she's got the backing of Trek. Um, she's starting to get a bit more free reign. Yeah. Um, so whilst Spratty, Grace, they're like our golden girls for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, my own teammates, Georgia, um, Alex, Ruby. Ruby, yeah. Like, like, like like they're they're all fantastic. And like <laughs> obviously, it's selfishly. Yeah. I need to see them. I want to see them on the top step. I want to help them get to the top step. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, the fan favorite at the moment is probably yeah. I think an un- unsung hero would be Loretta. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, and then I mean, can't can't say Aussie Aussie cycling without saying the name Jess Allen. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's tough, isn't it? It is so <laughs> it's tough. It's like it's just like a whole shelf, you know, and just this. Yeah, self- and who do you choose, eh? Like uh, it's um, it's but we're, 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 we've got one for every race almost, like every type of race, which is cool. Um, yeah, true, actually, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is yeah, we're very fortunate in that in that sense. Um, I look, I am sad though to see to see Jess retiring though. I'm sad that I only get one season with her. Yeah, I know, I know. But it feels like she might still be sticking around. For, uh, yeah, DS Jess has a good ring to it, doesn't it? Uh, oh, yeah, DJS. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does sound pretty yes. good, I reckon. She's yeah. got that. No, I mean, I can't say because I don't know, but. Me um, I didn't definitely. even want to ask her either when she was on the pod. I was like, I'll let her, you know, <laughs> I'll let her announce it. But when she does, it'll be super cool. Um, mm. Yeah, there's lots of young girls coming up too. I'm really excited. Yeah. Bliss, um, she's going to be on Trek yes. next year. Yeah, hung out with her a little bit in Glasgow. She's a cool, cool, cool chick. Yeah. Uh, then um, I think Sophie Edwards might be in Europe next year, which would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Melbourne Warning winner. Yep. Yep. Chloe Moran is taking um, coming into to this apartment. 
I think oh. coming over the track, the track yeah. team, I think heading to Paris will be based more in Europe. So, um, but she's, um, she's a cool, cool, cool unit. So yeah, Aussies will be infiltrating the European scene, which should, I'm not sure how pleased the Europeans will feel about that. <laughs> hey, they, we're coming in hot. There's more where that came from. Let me tell you that there's even more coming. But, you know, you should ask, you, next time you see uh, Felicity, you should ask her about her TT and Nationals this year if you haven't already talked about it. Ask her, like, what power she did, when she got the bike, and what happened afterwards because it's a story. Okay. It's a story. I will. She I had, mean, I, I... Yeah. Team sniffing all over her after that TT. It was ridiculous. Yeah, she's um, she told me her power at uh, World's TT. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, she's um, she's definitely a talent. Um, really excited, and she's also she's in a great environment at Trek. I think they've got like five eighteen-year-olds. Oh, if, yeah, that's a great. I mean, like, I mean, from, I mean, it's very similar to Jaco and Jaco yeah. live. The men's and the women's setups for both. It just it's more of a unit, isn't it, rather than a separate two separate entities. And I think that is just so that's that's the way to go, you know. Uh, and that's actually like something that um drew me to Jaco as well. Yeah. Um like the 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 camaraderie between the men's and women's teams and like yeah. the equality in which they're treated yeah. is um really, really strong. Yeah. Uh and and as you say with Trek as well. Um but I think Jerry Ryan oh. at Jaco has a lot to do with that. He is just such a ripping bloke. He's the best like he is the the dad of the team and in the most nurturing way possible. Oh what a guy. Seriously he's one guy that I really want to meet and probably one of the few in Australian cycling that I haven't met yet. I need someone to introduce him to me because I would never go up to him. I'd be like, I mean, I saw him at Nationals. He was in there with, with Iffy and I was like, I can't go near him. He's just let him be. I don't want to go near him. But he seems like, well, I mean, what he's done for Australian cycling is like ridiculous. Yeah. Women's sport as well. In yeah. Like he's got a basketball team. Oh, um, he's, yes. a us. He, he's got, I think, what is it, Sydney flyers or something something like yeah. that yep yep yeah um and then uh he invests in like yeah women's sport all over the joint uh yeah. it's and and also um art as well indigenous art he's big really? into that um yeah he's um because he's got two wineries in victoria mitchelton obviously yeah. and then it's another one in the Arrow valley and i know this because i went to a wedding at mitchelton last last year and then I was, I'm invited to another, unfortunately I won't be back in Australia for it, but I'm invited to another wedding at his other winery in oh. the Arab Valley this year. Um, but both of those wineries have Indigenous galleries, Indigenous art galleries. That is so sick. That's awesome. We have, um, uh, my day job is working for the Mundamini Trail Foundation, which is a, oh. a, a long distance gravel cycling off-road trail. It's amazing. <laughs> Georgia to thousand seventy k's and thousand seventy k ultra, yeah. yeah. But there's there's huts and towns along the way, so like you ride a hundred k's one day, yeah, you know, five six hours, you know, relatively easily, and then you get to the town, like an old logging town, and you stay there, go to the pub, you know, then you do the next thing, you go to another weird little town, and oh, it is oh. just seriously. I plan all my outside of you know going to all these. Yeah. Australian races that I do the you know announcing stuff for every other weekend I get is trying to find when can I do another trip on the Munnabitty because it's so good but is it, is it a race or is it just like a trail no no it's just a free trail 
Oh my god, I, yeah. I'm gonna do that. Yeah, oh, I, was, I was telling um, me uh, Fisher Black about that because she froths all the bike packing stuff, and I said, if she I've, I've, I've always wanted to do it. I've never bike. I mean, literally, last year was first well, proper year. Seriously, I reckon you get a few of your mates together, you come over to Perth, and um, and you can do it in like you know just chilling. You do it in I don't know ten days. You know, you just do hundred k. Yeah, but anyway, this I was saying that because we loved uh, because there's. You know, obviously it goes through like this mm. massive, you know, it goes through all these special indigenous uh, areas and that sort of stuff. And we love to try and get some of the campsites because there's huts you stay in, get them painted with like a indigenous mural oh, yeah. based on the area. But the problem is there's, uh, you know, the huts are kind of right. Some of them are right in the middle of, you know, where two like clans would, the territory uh, clashes. So it's like who paints yeah. what and that sort of stuff. But yeah. Nevertheless, it is um, indigenous artwork is is so interesting and just so yeah. Beautiful. And um, I think like it'd be it'd be really cool. I hope I think there's. I was talking to like my, my old sports director at Knights of Suburbia, um, and he actually learnt to ride bikes up in the NT, oh. um, and uh, in the velodrome up there. And I think he rode with some indigenous kids um, back in the day. But uh, I would love to see more inclusion. Um, of the indigenous communities in bikes. Yeah. Um, I just wonder, like, does Lockie Morton do stuff around that? Uh, I don't think he's done too much in Australia, to be honest. I mean, he might have done something around when he did his first, uh, when him and Angus did the first, um, what was that? Whereabouts? Yeah, when he did, they did yeah. Frio to the to Ayers Rock, I think they did. They mm. might have done something there. But, yeah. um, you know, the the other really talented um, Australian under nineteen, who maybe not this year, maybe next year, but Mackenzie Coupland, she's a yeah, you know, yeah, Mackenzie's yeah. like just you know toe to toe, but she mm. rides for um, the WA NRS team, Cycling um, mm. Development Foundation, and one of the things they do in the middle of the year is they actually do this ride called the to Laverton, which is out in like the goldfields of WA. And they yep. stop in indigenous towns along the way, and and the some of the teams, uh, teams, some of the team ride it, and a lot of the corporate partners and stuff, and they mm -hmm. stop along, uh, the different indigenous towns, and they teach the kids how to like ride bikes, fix their bikes, you know, because they're all rolling around on these old BMXs, yeah. and and basically, you know, just show them how good it is to ride your bike, and you can ride them to school, and um, they do that every year. I think they're running that bike, um. They've run it for about six years now, and now there's a yep. permanent, like, every two months they go and do uh, fly someone up and do, like, a full clinic for Indigenous kids there around yeah. Sinai. Yeah. And oh, oh, they even brought uh, some of the kids down to Perth so that they could participate in one of the time trials we had, the gravel time trials. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, like, that's kind of one of the ways that you can, um, I guess, you know, try and encourage more indigenous participation in cycling yeah i think it just encouraged like the, the more participation we have in cycling the better like it's like on like it, bikes is just so great from a social perspective as well just yeah. to get out, out and about and um you form you form your own communities and kids who grow up on bikes they, they grow up outside they don't grow up on their computer screens 100 percent. And, and how many people have you met it's like the friends that you make on the bicycle. So I'm trying to stop mm. Mr. Earl, my cat, 
Clorin. Earl, the cow. Mr. Earl, yeah, named after T. But how many friends do you make on the bicycle there where you never would have met them? You know, like double your age, half your age, completely different. Oh, it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, you just talk to people. You just met, you go past someone on Beach Road, you go past someone here, you go past someone up anywhere. You can ride anywhere in the world, you roll past someone, you just have to start chatting with them. Yeah. Uh, so you get to learn learn their story. And then all of a sudden, yeah, riding with them every other week. Like um, it's one of the, re- actually one of the reasons that I really do miss, I do miss the bunch rides. I miss like going back home. They don't really have bunch rides here in, in Europe. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I I am kind of missing not coming back for a while is going to be the, the bunch rides and the, heading into the warmer months in, in Melbourne. Um, but yeah, here it's, it's crazy. Like I, I was riding the other day, I was just getting back into training and I was just doing two hours and this guy comes up to me and he starts speaking to me in Spanish and we kind of just like communicate in broken Spanish to each other yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that he's uh, doesn't have a route and he's just doing two hours. And if I knew where he could go and I said, well, mate, just join me. Oh, um, but he ended up being one of Lance Armstrong's former teammates. No shit. Yeah. Um, and he's, um, uh, he's, um, uh, Lelo, I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I think that might have been his nickname. I need to to find it. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah he's uh, he he was um, yeah, one of his like former professional cyclists. Now he just works for um, it, actually an Aussie bloke does um cycling tours. Oh, tours. Sick. Yeah, and he's actually I looked on his Instagram. He's just done the Atlas, the oh. or the Titan, the Titan mountain bike race. Those. Yeah. Yeah, those races are hectic. <laughs> yeah, I I do laugh. So Shannon McCurley, you know Shannon from yeah. track rider, yeah, Irish track rider, um, sprinter, right? Yeah, like full yeah. sprinter type. She she and she's my training partner when I go back to Oz, but I never see her because she's always on my wheel. Um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but um, she so she's got a partnership with Skoda, and uh, they sponsor the Titan Mountain Bike Race, and uh, they said to her, "Hey, look." When you go back to Ireland, we'll give you a car, but we need you to to ride this mountain bike race. Holy shit! And she's like in the desert, like multi day ultra mountain bike race. <laughs> Track sprinter. <laughs> and so she's like, "Yeah, can my bike be pink?" <laughs> and so she's she gets it. She's riding a pink mountain bike, no pink way. shoes, all through the desert. I don't know. Yeah, she. Her training was with me, so she was fine. Yeah, but, of course. Uh, but uh, yeah. She was doing a yeah, time trial um, specific training, which really built her up <laughs> for the mountain bike. I'll have to see if she posted. She'll have, she would have posted the picture surely on Instagram. Oh, yeah. If you look back to last year, she did it last year. Oh, yeah. I'll, look, I'll look that up. Yeah. Uh, now, you said you had done some prep for the famous, yes. now famous question that has been slightly revamped. I felt bad for removing the COVID deniers question, but... I didn't expect anyone to pick it, and uh, I don't know. People pick it. People, yeah. Jo- Josh Tarling and Zoe back to back. Zoe, I'm gonna just have a chat it. with her. <laughs> Which, of course, oh. it's, all, it's all bullshit. You know right? better than that. Come on. I just, I just don't want one random person to listen to the podcast one day and like message me some weird stuff or message them. You know, so I'm like, ah, oh, it's better if we take that out and then we just add in the. Zoe knows. Zoe knows better than that. Come on. I mean. Oh. <laughs> 
Maybe she's yeah. just been controversial. Yeah, shout out to Zoe. She did get a podium yesterday. I think. Yeah, she's. I mean, she, look, that is that is a talent far out. Like she is just rip. Like right. in the classics, we're going to see some serious oh, stuff from her this oh year. Oh my god! This year. I know. I yeah. know. With the backing of Canyon, she's going to be unstoppable, I reckon. Oh, yeah, and her dad in the car, like, yeah, crazy. Um, okay, so which cult, cult or group, which cult would you most likely join if you had to, right? So the anti, and I have to explain this, for all the new listeners that came from Patrick's episode, which cult, Georgie, would you rather join? Would you like to join the anti-moon landings? group the flat earthers who believe the earth is not a sphere um or the lizard people group which the lizard people apparently arrived here many moons ago and they can shape shift and they've shape shifted into many of the world leaders and so they control power that way um that seems to be a popular group so what's what's your wheelhouse my dad is going to absolutely hate this question. He's uh, he's someone he's a man that deals in facts, so he's uh, he's going to absolutely despise. I can't pick a, I can't pick an answer that he's going to be pleased with. Basically, no one um, can. So I just won't share this. Uh, so sorry, Dad. Um, so, uh, yeah. I promise. Uh, <laughs> he'll be like, you went to Princeton, how can you? But like, Dad, come on. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I majored in classics. Let's just. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I have you seen behind the curve, the Netflix doco? No. Watch it. It's about flat earthers. Really? Um, And I'm going to pick the flat earthers because they, in this documentary in particular, and I've read up in like when COVID was in Melbourne, I did a lot of reading and listening to, um, stuff and I stumbled upon, um, a podcast about confirmation bias and like they, they talk a lot about flat earthers and uh, and in this documentary in particular they said flat earthers are just really really smart science like scientific geniuses that have just been led astray so because they they actually they they run proper scientific experiments like their their method their methodology they, they, for proving like that the earth is flat is sound like the way that they go about it is sound like they've got the two pillars in the um, oh, yeah. like like you know five five k yeah. apart and then if there's a if they you know if there's a curve or whatever or something yeah yeah so like and then they get proven that the earth's round and then they're like okay well let's just try another experiment and prove that it's flat <laughs> <laughs> and then um, they get like a gyroscope or something like from nasa like the something that measures the the earth's rotation like the rotational spin of the earth yeah. like the speed at which it spins so and then they put it they put it in like a um a business, a business chamber or something just right. to kind of um, stop any kind of interference or radiation. And then that also gets proved that the earth is round and they're like, okay, well, maybe we'll just try something else. <laughs> so like, their methods are sound. So I actually wouldn't, I, I'd probably choose them just because they are like, they're logical people. Yeah. But they they're, are, they're looking for an answer through real science. I, I can see that. Yeah. I appreciate And they're that. intrinsically motivated because they keep trying. They keep showing up. Something deep inside, they keep showing up. Yes. So yep. what was it called? Because i got a flight tomorrow. I might watch it. Uh, behind the Curve. Behind the Curve. Might be able yeah. to. Wow. I'll yeah. come back. I'll come back on Monday, having watched this, and uh, 
the podcast will just be changed, that everything will be changed. It'll be... It's, it's interesting. I mean, it is about confirmation bias because I think nowadays we are just saturated with so much information that it is super easy to find something that can agree with your opinions. And opinions are neither fact nor fiction. They're just your opinion, right? True. Yeah, that's true. But, um, but we, can, um, we can find stuff that validate our opinions to the point where we do think they're fact. Yeah. Sorry, I just went on a complete different tangent. But anyway, my cult of choice is the flat earthers. Amazing. Amazing. I think that's the uh, first. I need to keep tally because then by the end of these, if I do like, if we tally up all the guests, then we could see which, we could probably make a pro cycling team just of lizard people, celebrations, COVID deniers, flat earthers. Flat-earthers. We can get a sponsor on board. I mean, who would sponsor the flat earthers team? Oof, NASA. No, NASA would fly. No, that's moon landing. NASA would do moon landing. Um, they would do moon, anti-moon landing. Um, flat Earthers. The green wash. What's a moon wash? Yeah. Oh, the, the moon landing's fascinating. I mean, yeah. I, like, uh, I understand why a lot of people choose that one. Like, That's probably the easiest one to go. Mm. Yeah. Not quite sure. Uh, I mean, it is a little bit like Santa. Yeah. Well. And for the listening, Santa's real. You'll know if he's real because you'll see him when you're flying across the earth on Christmas. I will. During Christmas. Next to the A380, I'll look out the window. Oh, oh Georgie, this is, I'm not sure how early you start watching Christmas films or if you do, but do you have a favourite or one that you watch every oh, Christmas year? Christmas films. Oh. Um, Less than 100 days. I went out with Darren Rutherford for dinner, like the guy, the CEO of Giant in, in Aussie, in Australia. Oh, okay. Like, right? um, when I was like, because um, he's, because my local shop's Giant Ormond and he hangs out there. So we went out with like um, Leon, Darren, um, and um, uh, Chris, my the mechanic there. God bless the man. He deals with all my stupid questions. Um, but um, we're talking about this favorite film. And like, I love Love Actually. Like, I mean, that's my, my favorite but I had never seen National Lampoon's Holiday Vacation. <laughs> and he was so shocked. He was like, how have you not seen this? And so then that probably that night I went home and I watched it. But um, that's probably, it's, it's up there. I'd say it's top five. It's not my favourite. Love Actually is definitely my favourite. Um, Die Hard would classify as a Christmas movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Did that's you, definitely up there. Did you ever go to Moonlight Cinemas? Where's that? No. Oh, so all they still run them now, not as good, but they they have one in every state from uh, November. No, from yeah, from November, what's it, October through to April, and they're outdoor yeah. cinemas. They're the biggest ones, like okay. one in every state. And uh, I used to run the one in Perth uh, for a couple of years in Kings Park. And Christmas time, the because um, movies every day except Monday, but around Christmas yeah. time, um, you can vote. For the, for the Christmas movie that you want to put on on a Tuesday night. And um, Die Hard would always get voted in or Love Actually. Yeah, I mean, look, people have taste, eh? They have taste. But what about yeah. Elf? I like Elf. Elf is, so that's your favourite? I mean, you can't you can't go fast, Will Ferrell. He's pretty good, yeah. He is. He is. Um, the Grinch is also great, Jim Carrey oh, version. That is, yeah. that is excellent, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what else is there? I look. I'm just my old housemates when I was living in Richmond in Melbourne. They would watch all the the shitty Netflix, you know, like that they churn out at that time of year, oh, like the Christmas God. specials. 
I can't, I can't do it. My sister watches them too. I'm just like, no. Like I put them on the same level as Love Island. Yeah, the of- stuff that shouldn't even, like if there were DVDs and VHSs, they wouldn't even go to the cinema. They go straight to VHS. Like that used to be the thing, right? The movie so oh shit, God. didn't even get to the bring, cinema. Bring back like, bring back the pilgrimage to Video Easy or Blockbuster and you get you get two weeklies and an overnight. <laughs> Maybe a three-day. That is the days. Yeah, seriously. And you got to, like, think about it too, yes. you know? Yes. You'd walk around with, like, three in your hand and then you see something else, you're like, oh, you ditched them. And, oh, yeah. that's a good throwback. It is. Like I, like, I was a really fat kid because I used to just walk down to my video easy, I'd get a weekly and, a, like, a bag of peanut M&Ms. Nice. And walk, nice. walk back home and I'd watch that with my, with my dad and my sister and my mum. Um, do you know what uh, what Netflix was originally? Do you, have you ever read that about Netflix? It's original. No. Well, it was still around in the 2000s, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, like 1999 or something. But back yeah. then you would go on their website and you would choose what movie you would want to watch and they'd send it to you via mail. That's right. Yeah, oh. they'd send you the disc. That was Netflix. And right. I, that just seems bizarre. Like it's like a mailing. Well, they used to have that with like vending machines. Do you remember those? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, they put the they put it on the disc. Yeah, I always wondered what the returning policy was. Yeah, always a bit dodgy. How do you return those? Not sure, but um, also like, wouldn't your DVD get scratched? Like that was always the worst. You rent a DVD, <laughs> and then it was scratched. <laughs> you know what the hack was? Was what? chapstick. Really? Yeah, it would fill in the cracks because I used to, you know, play like the PlayStation or whatever, and if the game had scratches, you'd, you'd put the chapstick or peanut butter. I mean, I tried the peanut butter. It didn't work. But the chapstick fills in those little cracks so the laser can. This is oh, where my mum deprived me. We were never allowed video games as kids. That's probably a good thing. No, like we never, like, yeah, I mean, well, until until we had a DVD that had a scratch in it, we didn't know how to fix it. What about like a Pokemon? Uh, I had a Tamagotchi. Oh, okay. That's still good. Yeah, yeah Tamagotchi was good. <laughs> um, and then I, I had a Nintendo DS. Like, Oh, that's a good game. Very, like I had a Pirates of the Caribbean game on that one. I remember that. I'm trying to picture the graphics. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a pixelated Johnny Depp running around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Georgie, it's, I don't actually want to end it, but I, for my own, I have to get up at like 3 in the morning. Tomorrow. So for my own sanity, I better look at three a.m. Time for puffers. Got to fly. Yeah, I'm gonna fly to the mighty, mighty Melbourne. Ah, uh, good, good place. Make yeah. sure you go to, um, make sure you go to Maker in Richmond. Coffee. Maker Coffee in uh, North Richmond on um, forget what street. North Street. Um, industrial subtle area yeah i reckon yeah. i went there earlier this year yep it's a classic haunt um I'm just trying to you, yeah i'll just live vicariously through you really yeah yeah well I'm, actually, I'm only going to beechworth ah beechworth bakery just go there oh yes i'll be getting that bee stink you know that giant yeah it's a terrible looking thing it's like a sponge cake cream in the middle sponge cake on top but it's the size of your head 
Brilliant. And then uh, a honeycomb, um, a honey, honeycomb BM, uh, big M. Oh, all right. Yeah. Big M. Done. I'll send you a photo of it from the bakery. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, travel safe and thank you so much for the chat. Absolutely loved it. All right, legends, that's another episode of the Pressuring Podcast done and dusted. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this one, don't forget to leave a rating or a review on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening, or just send it to a friend uh, who you think might enjoy this episode or any of the episodes in the back catalog for that matter. And uh, big thanks to Georgie Howe. Follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and just follow her throughout the season because she is an extremely talented athlete. She's got huge power, and once she just sort of dials in, uh, you know, her her racing experiences and and positioning, like we talked about in this episode, I think she's really going to be a serious contender. Um, and you only have to look at her time trial results to know that. But legends, uh, last episode coming up, sad, sad day, but. Um, we're back very, very soon. We're back so soon. But thanks for listening. I'll see you on the final lap. Uh, and we go again. Bye.